Welcome to another installment of Under Construction. I'm your host for today, Rodney. To my right is the Angry Black Friend, and right under me is Kaza Sose. Kaza, how's your week been, brother? Well, it was going good. And then uh, the ankle gods showed up and robbed me of joy. Yeah, first Malik Monk, then Gordon Hayward. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I'm. I'm kind of bummed. So uh, yeah, yeah. So far. Good Easter so far. Gotcha. Uh, Jamal, how's your week been, man? Like Kaiser said, it was going well. Um, and then UConn lost. And then everybody's foot got hurt. And then DMX is on the verge of not being with us. So the weekend hasn't been great, man. And I, I really think in her former life, Queen Charlotte must have been a really shitty person, man. Yeah, she must have been a bitch. Cause I, I just, Queen Charlotte must have been a royal bitch back in the day, man. It was yeah. all good just a week ago. That's it was all good just a week man, ago. I, I, and then, like, I look, I went to Clemson, but I I I, I love Don Staley, and that South Carolina loss. Oh my god, that was that was that was as heartbreaking <laughs> as it could get, man. Oh man, I feel sorry for those young ladies, man. But we're gonna get yeah. into it, man. Since we last appeared last Sunday, the Hornets went two and one. Uh, we beat Washington. We're officially their, their fathers. Uh, we beat them 104 to 114. We got spanked by Brooklyn on national TV. The panic set in. Uh, 111 to 89. LaMarcus Aldrich, uh, remember how to play basketball. Throwback night. Throwback night. And then uh, we got a, a costly win in Indy 97 to 114. So, guys, uh, what did you think about that last game? And it, was that Brooklyn game a throwaway? Brooklyn game was definitely a throwaway. Um, I, I really hate the fact that, you know, you have a national audience, a national audience that largely doesn't pay attention to the Hornets or really, really know about the Hornets outside of the LaMelo ball highlights. Jim Borrego! And, 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 and now they're thinking the coach's name is Jim Borrego instead of James Borrego. But we'll get into that a little later, man. But I just – it really, really sucked that we saved one of our worst performances for national TV. It is the Brooklyn Nets. They were down KD. They were down um, James Harden. That's still a very deep, talented team, even without those two All-Stars, man. And I give credit to Brooklyn for them playing a great game. They responded to a not-so-great performance the night before. But that was not indicative of the of the Charlotte Hornets that we've seen all year, man. Um, just extremely sloppy. Just sloppy, unorganized offense. Not aggressive. They got punked. I, I really hate those games. You know, it's one thing when we get beat, we're out-talented, but I don't like when we just get punked. We got both during that Brooklyn Nets game, man. So, it is indeed a throwaway game, man. You know, of course, they responded to the next game uh, in Indiana, a costly game that we'll get to a little later, man. But I just hate that the national audience didn't see the real Charlotte Hornets on Thursday night. I think that game says more about Brooklyn than it does Charlotte. Um, it I'm watching this game, and it dawned on me a, a terrible, terrible fact, and this will always be the case in the NBA, Charlotte will never have an embarrassment of riches like the Brooklyn Nets do. I mean, two of their best players are sitting, and that team that beat the Hornets could win a seven-game series against any other team in the league, even LeBron James-led Lakers. I mean, they're they're that good. They're they're that they're that deep. The Marcus Aldridge, I thought everyone, oh, he's old and washed up. He didn't look like it the other night. Blake Griffin is dunking again. I mean, they've got guys. They've got like seven legit all-stars and then everyone else that can just shoot threes or get rebounds, like a bunch of role players, guys who don't do anything except either shoot threes or get rebounds. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you beat a team like that? I wasn't expecting Charlotte to win, and, and I'll be honest, the blowout didn't surprise me. This is a different book than that team that we played at the beginning of the season. Yeah. They're just simply – they're better. Steve Nash, Steve Nash is showing his chops as a coach. That Brooklyn team, boy, whoo, man, I I hate it for anyone from any conference that has to play those guys in the playoffs. I mean, imagine when KD, KD Harden, Kyrie, Blake Griffin, Marcus Aldridge, Jeff Green. I, 
How do you beat that team? Well, like, like, uh, it's easy. You don't. Yeah. Like, picture something like this. KD has an off night, seven for twenty-one. Harden is playoff Harden, <laughs> and, and, and 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 Kyrie is exploring his inner 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 self. Yeah. And, it's shocking. Then all of a sudden you get a throwback game from Lamarcus and 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 uh, Blake, and you still lose by twenty, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think that's. I don't want to harp on the Brooklyn Nets, but that's the thing. I think. Um, Nights like that benefit guys like Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, they're kind of on the decline of their career. They don't have to put up crazy numbers or big minutes. They come in, do what they do. They go sit on the bench. And it's really hard because one of the things the Hornets have done really, really well, credit to James Borrego for this, but when the other team's best players are sitting, the rotations that we have on the floor are able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when the Hornets typically either catch up or get a lead is when the big names are sitting. You can't do that with Brooklyn. They're no. sitting, and then they've got another first unit that comes in. And I'm sitting here watching this game. Like, okay, what could Charlotte have done better? Granted, they could have. They could have not been as sloppy, and really, they could they could have hit shots. But Brooklyn defended really well. They were really aggressive. It was that, that was just going to be a, a tough game at this point in the season, uh, regardless. Throwaway game. The way that they responded in Indiana, I think, is more indicative of a Charlotte Hornets team, and it, and it goes to show um, the kind of team they are. Very resilient. I think – I don't even – they probably didn't even watch any film from that Brooklyn game on the plane. They're probably – There's nothing you can learn from it. Yeah. 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 Learn from it. I, well, I'm going to tell you why, man, because it, this is a very simple analysis, dude. The Hornets didn't hit shots. It, it yeah. It's pretty much that. Mm-hmm. P.J. Washington, 3-4-11. Gordon Haywood, 5. Not, not bad, but, you know. Terry Rozier, four for 11. Miles Bridges, three for nine. Malik Monk, four for 11. When you got your main guys not shooting the ball well, you're not going to beat anybody. And again, Kaza, everything you said about Brooklyn is 100% correct. But at the same time with this Charlotte Hornets team, when those particular guys don't shoot the ball well, you're not going to beat anybody shooting the ball like that. Guys, we bounced back against Indy. And we played a, a, a beautiful game. Uh, Gordon Hayward, the first half, he went completely off, nearly having a triple-double. And then he has a foot sprain. And then you compound that with Malik Monk uh, spraining his ankle pretty badly and being out for three weeks. Gordon is being reevaluated in four weeks. Where do you see this team going from here on out? And LaMelo's out as well. So – where do you see this team going, and do you think James Borrego can kind of hold hold the fort down until we start to get those guys back? Uh, I think that before, even with Lamelo gone, I think we kind we had the fourth seed pretty much unlocked. Maybe the fifth seed, but it, we we held the tiebreaker over Atlanta, New York, Boston. I don't know what's going on with them. Miami was the only real threat because. Uh, with Victor Oladipo on the team, they're going to gel and get some chemistry at some point, and I expect them to get some wins. But without Gordon Hayward, even though of late he's been somewhat inconsistent, but without him, now we run into this problem. We're not – I don't think the issue is going to be with our starters, but our second unit is going to suffer because, one, you're going to have to move Miles Bridges. He's going to have to start, and I I think he – I got some pushback. Would you would you play one of the Martin twins instead? Coming off, I think he's going to do that. What Miles brings off the bench, despite what people may think about Miles, what he brings off the bench, there's there's like an extra pickup, especially if he gets mad. We saw that um, a few games ago. You know, he was having kind of a pedestrian game. He got mad, and then you know we ended up losing that game. But he got mad and you know scores like twenty points, and then we saw what he did against Indy. And, and the, both those games are coming off the bench. Um, so I, I fully expect JB to start one of the Martin twins or maybe even Jalen McDaniels. Maybe not because he hasn't had a lot of playing time lately. Please, but, God, Please yeah, God. I, I think he's going to – Borrego's going to try and, you know, maintain some kind of depth. Whether that will be enough, yeah. I don't know. And I expect us to drop from the fourth seed probably down into playing game territory, exactly. seven through ten. Um 
I, I don't think we'll be lower than the 10th seed. The Hornets will probably definitely get a playing game only because the teams below that are far behind the Hornets. They're like six, seven games uh, behind. Uh, so it's just unfortunate, man. If, if, if Borrego, if the Hornets make the fourth seed. Hey, look, listen. They, if, look, if they I don't want to hear no more slander yeah. at that point. No yeah. more at all. They, yeah, no, they better skip the damn vote for coach of the year. I don't think <laughs> yeah. Who else is going to be. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't. I mean, I, I think we know we all know who's going to win coach of the year, but it's man, if, yeah, if uh, if the Hornets somehow make the fourth seed, you got to give give Borrego's flowers. You got to. So, uh, yeah, man, Jamal, you go ahead. Um, the Hornets, they have some work to do, fellas. Uh, uh, not to be Captain Obvious here, but the Hornets have their work cut out in front of them, man. Um, and I hate mentioning that team from Miami, man, but, you know, they made a, a, a big-time move at the at the trade deadline to add Victor Oladipo, man. I think that's only going to help them. Uh, like Kaza said, you know, with the team we have, man, I, I thought we would toggle between the fourth and the fifth seed, and and now we're in the danger zone of the <laughs> of the playing of the playing games now, which I really really want to avoid. I do yeah. not want this team in that playing position. I just don't, man. But it it may be a reality. But I want to offer some hope. I want to offer some optimism. If we rewind back to last season when the kids were getting uh, yeah. substantial playing time. And, and and they really proved their mettle toward the end of last season. That type of magic, I think, is going to have to happen for us to stay within that four, five, six range. That is a big if. And I want to put a big asterisk by this if. If those kids show up like they did at the at, at the toward the end of last season, we still can get within that four, five, six range. I I thoroughly believe that. But that's just a big if, man. And I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing that will happen, man. Because our schedule's not that easy. You know, we got some, we got some, we got some heavyweights we got to play. Boston is a very important game uh, coming up today, man. Um, you know, the Hawks, the Hawks have kind of struggled lately, man. But they won eight games in a row, so they put themselves in a position where they're right they're around behind us, like, right behind us, just like a lot of other teams are, man. So, like I said, man, we we have our work really cut out for us, man. But these, it's time for the kids to grow up again. I mean, look, man, honestly, man, look, we can't have a 9 for 38 shooting performance from Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier anymore. That, we, that we, can't we, happen again. We, we, we can't afford that if, 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 if we want to continue this trajectory. Uh, and we also need P.J. Washington to step it up. Absolutely. And, and um, that, that has me – look, I have a question. <laughs> Um, I, I've seen this narrative a lot ever since his zero-point game. Is P.J. Washington a bust to you guys? Or is it too early? Let, 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 let me take here? No, absolutely that, not. That, it's, no. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's, yeah no, I was going to say that's not even a uh, – that, that take is so bad. The, the idea of that take is so bad. It's only his second season – and we've seen what PJ can do. He's being asked to play out of position, out of his natural position. Mm -hmm. um, and no, yeah, I, it, I mean, some of the things that he's doing, despite playing out of natural position, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, yeah. Considering, I mean, he's six, seven. He's only six yeah, seven. He's just as good as a five as That's Cody did, which is kind of kind of crazy. So. Yep. And, and the thing, the thing is, man, like to to say he's in a sophomore slump is fair, but to be a bust is just ridiculous, man. And he's having a bad shooting season, but one thing he is not having a bad season at is rebounding and protecting the rim. He's doing that better than the rest of our centers on his roster yeah. is, man. So when he comes out of this sophomore slump, and hopefully he gets it together at some point, hopefully it is this season. This narrative will just completely go away, and it probably needs to go away completely anyway. It's, it's crazy how impatient Hornets fans. When have we ever called a number twelve pick a bust? Like nobody expects anything. Yeah. Number one, nobody expects anything from a number twelve pick, and number two, not after the damn second season. Just stop. No, yeah, and, 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 and we got to add some context to this as well. You 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 had a shortened season last year. You're coming off a nine whole, almost nine months of eight, nine months of just rest. And then on top of that, 
you you didn't have the the uh, traditional preseason and off season. So it's 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 like I, I give these kids kind of a a, 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 a pass this year. Yeah. And then next year, I expect to see to, to to see incremental improvement more. Good point. Well, like Good like point. you said, the 12th pick. Miles was the 13th pick. Devontae was a second round pick. Our, we're uh, it's a, in my opinion, Hornets fans are way too hard on those three guys considering where they were drafted. Imagine those picks in the Rich Cho era. Who we, who we would have had, you know, uh, Rich Cho had a number four and a number two pick, and neither of those guys, in my opinion, are as good as the three guys that Mitch drafted much, much higher. Uh, right. I mean, the only criticism you could say is that we should have kept Shea Gilgis Alexander, which – Maybe, but then we wouldn't have Lamelo Ball. So there's kind of like I, I, I'm sorry, I'll take Lamelo Ball. I'll take Lamelo Ball, like and then you know, then the court. There's always the Michael Porter Jr. debate. But I think with those three guys, I think the Hornets are in a good position with those guys, and just give PJ Washington some time. I mean, we've given the league Monk four years. We, right. we don't want to talk about that though. We don't want to talk PJ about that. Though. Yeah, I mean, hey, let's not piss off Malik's fans today, man. But <laughs> hey. But one more point to this uh, to this discussion, man. Hey, y'all, it's Brad Wanamaker time, and I'm not even joking, dude. Because <laughs> this, this this may turn out to be one of the best under the radar moves ever. Maybe sneaky move. Because the thing is, we're gonna need him now. Like, yeah. like when we picked him up, he was just ancillary guy that was just a roster fill. He was just a third point guard. But now we're at a point in the season, and with all these injuries. Where he's gonna be, he's gonna anchor this bench as the point guard. So we're gonna need some quality minutes. If we get consistent Brad Wanamaker like we did the last game in Indiana, man, that's gonna improve our situation. But again, that's another big if as well, man. And man, look, all I gotta say is that Mitch, we trust. Oh, look, old stiff back looked kind of good last game. Like, hey, man, he, hey that he old Wanamaker game came through, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I didn't think Brad Wanamaker would play a minute in a Hornets uniform. And maybe he wouldn't have if um, Malik hadn't got injured. But, um, yeah, pleasant pleasant surprise. Uh, I mean, he came to play against Brooklyn. He only played 15 minutes-ish. But, I mean, he he, he, you know, he played well. He played really well against Indiana. Um, if it Really, if he can just maintain that consistency, if he can get – eight to ten points off the bench, run the offense, keep attacking the rim. Man, I made, I made this post. It was a tongue-in-cheek post on Facebook, but it was essentially like Brad Wanamaker showing you why Mitch got seven and I'm just at home arguing with y'all on Facebook. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, you know. I, he, he gets paid to do this, guys. Exactly. He knows, <laughs> Mitch knows what he's doing. So, um, and Mitch, we trust. All right, guys. So the next four we have is Boston today at six. Uh, OKC on Wednesday at eight. Milwaukee on Friday at nine, and Atlanta next Sunday at one. Where do you guys think our record is by the end of this week? Before the end, before the before next week. I'm going to be the optimistic one. I'm going three and one. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm the optimistic one this week. I know that's very rare, but I'm going to be optimistic this week. Boston game, I think if I'm wrong about one, it'll be today. I'll, I'll say that much, man. But I expect a, a hard-fought tight game today. I really do because this game is of, of dire importance to both teams. I think Boston probably needs a little more than we do, which is, you know, I guess a, a scary thing to say. But at the same time, man, I actually think we come away with a win today. Um, I think we beat Atlanta. I think Milwaukee probably gets us. They're probably going to be looking for revenge uh, from last game, man. Um, OKC, now their OKC is a very well-coached team. But as far as the talent on that team right now, say Gillis Alexander's injured right now, they're trotting a D-league team out there, man. Like, if we don't beat OKC, it's just like, I, that that's the one that's just going to make my blood pressure go up if we don't win that one, just because of the talent they have out there. But that could also be a trap game because of how well coached they are and they stay competitive mm -hmm. wherever they play. So that's kind of one of those games. It's just like, ah, eh, you know, be careful with, with what you see on paper all the time. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to say three and one. Uh, I'm going to go two and two. I think we lose today. I think we beat Oklahoma City. 
think we lose to Milwaukee and we beat Atlanta because we play them at home. Um, you know, those, it, but it's just so, so hard to say. Now this is going to be a different Hornets team than we've seen in a while. I mean, it is. Uh, for instance, who starts at center, Cody Zeller or Biz? And that's going to make a big difference in a lot of these games. Oof. I know that. Oh, speaking more, of center. Man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's up. We talked about this on a previous episode, but I don't know what's going on with Cody and JB. Hello? Is Cody, you know, not fully healthy? I don't know why Biz is getting these big, bigger minutes and these starting minutes over Cody. And Cody played a really good game against Indiana, um, actually, uh, which is, you know, Hornets fans love Miles Turner, and Cody was just like, whatever, y'all. I'm just, I'm just going to talk on this guy, get some rebounds over him. You know, it's, it's crazy. So it, It's funny how I didn't see that topic in the group this week. Nobody yeah. talked about how Cody's yeah, ever thoroughly. It's just yeah. a coincidence. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to make a difference in, in these games. I expect Borrego to stick with Biz for some reason, uh, and I think that that does not bode well against – Milwaukee <laughs> certainly done bowl well against Milwaukee. Um, and remember, just remember, everybody, Cody dunked on Giannis. I just wanted to throw that out. Piped on him. I mean, straight. He on him. Yeah. It injured him. He got injured hey, but, on that play. Hey, but in all seriousness, though, uh, no, no, all jokes aside, man, um, Cody is going to be very important for us going down the stretch, man. Yeah. Like he, he, we, we all see the numbers when he plays, when he starts versus when he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Um, we need good Cody. We 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 absolutely need good Cody going down the stretch. It is that it is it is of dire importance going down the stretch, man. Look, I'm not as optimistic. I'm and I understand why. I don't even feel good about my prediction, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I'm gonna say one and three. Um I say the long game we take is OKC. And I think we get a blowout loss against Milwaukee because they're, they're starting to hit on all cylinders. Uh, it, 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 it'll be a close one against Atlanta and the Boston one is, is kind of a toss up to me because you never know which team is showing up. Yeah. You know, the interesting nugget, man, Milwaukee, they thoroughly handled, uh, I, I think the Clippers over the weekend, yep. man, whoever they played, they thoroughly handled it, man. So I'm oh. a little afraid of what's going to happen to us when we play. Them. And, uh, yeah. shout out, shout out to Drew Holiday, that four year, $160 million extension. It's, it's nasty. That's all I gotta say. Four million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, man. So Cam Cam Newton has a new uh show on BET called Smoke and Sip, Sip and Smoke. Sip and Smoke. Sip and Smoke. And his first guest guess was Steve Harvey. Did you guys see it? And what'd you think about it? Yeah, I watched it uh the other night and I liked it. I didn't know what to expect, but given that. Uh, Cam's appearance on Brandon Marshall's uh, podcast show was very popular. That video has millions of views on YouTube. I bet Cam called somebody up the next day and was like, "Hey, man, I can do this." You know, you know. And Cam has always what was the one quote that followed Cam for years was before he was even drafted. I want to be an icon and an entertainer. And boy, the media let him have it for that. But he's held to that. He, that's what he wants to do. And Cam has a big following in Atlanta. He's, you know, he's still a star there. People in the Charlotte still love him, but it doesn't surprise me. He goes back to his hometown in the off season and does something like this. Uh, I like that they preached black excellence a lot on the show. And it's funny how Cam seems more articulate and well-spoken than he's ever been. Cam always, to me, felt on, you could tell he was uncomfortable on the microphone. He had to pick and choose his words. He couldn't be that country kid from from ATL that he was growing up. He had to try. And he talks about that in the first episode, how coming into the league, everyone was saying, "Okay, you got to be like Drew or Peyton or Tom or Aaron. And he's just like, man, I be you to impact your community. Yeah, that's what he says. And and it's funny. Steve Harvey, I think, has (laughs) Steve Harvey has some had some gems. But he said, you know, when he came in the industry, they were like, you two country. You know, you can't speak like that. And he said, what What sounds better to you? I am broke or I is rich? I'm is rich. I'm is rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, a lot of great moments on that show. I hope we, you know, I, I hope it ends up being popular. The video on YouTube has over a million views now, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Cam is setting himself up for a second career. Good move on him. 
perfect segue, Kaiser, because that was my first thought when I saw that video. I was like, is Cam setting himself up for his next career? That was exactly the first thing I thought when I clicked on the video. And I don't think he could have chose a better guest. Steve Harvey was the perfect first guest yeah. for, for that show because of how they relate to each other in, in different industries, so to speak, man. But um, just to echo Kaiser's point, ma'am. You know, when he was here and Jerry Richardson, you know, had had a, had a leash on him. I know that's an ugly saying, man, but, you know, he couldn't be himself. And and, it, and that part used to just aggravate me so much about this organization and how they handle Cam and, and trying to, you know, and trying to and trying to parlay to South Charlotte and, hey, maintain this image and you need to be like this and you need to be like that. And I'm I'm so happy to see Cam in this space because it's like further confirmation that he doesn't give a cuff anymore about any of that. He is going to be himself now. And not to get too heavy in the football talk, because I know we're talking about his show, but I think it's also just the difference between how the Patriots are handling him, handling him versus how the Panthers are handling Cam Newton. And we're and we're seeing just a lot more freedom for lack of a better term of you know you look at cam's instagram page now he just seems like he's he's more of himself he's a lot freer he's happier and i'm interested to see exactly how all this is going to actually translate next season on the football field and i'm talking about real training camp a full off season all this stuff because i I'm going to always be a fan of Cam Newton. I don't give a damn where. He could play for the Cowboys, and I'm going to be a fan of Cam Newton. And I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do well. So I hope all this translates into just more success for Cam Newton, man. Like you guys alluded to, like I, I, I just kind of see this as kind of posturing himself for a life after football. And uh, he probably filmed it in, in, in his uh, cigar lounge in Atlanta. But yeah, um, that's what yeah, that's what, uh Shannon Sharp on Undisputed mentioned that uh I, I guess he's Shannon Sharp is good friends with Cecil Newton, Cam Newton's father. Mm -hmm. And I, they were he was saying that it looked like that's where it was filmed. So I mean big on Cam. I mean, Cam's always been about the community. A lot of people don't yeah. know that about Cam Newton. Even when he was when he was in Charlotte, Cam Newton was in the streets doing yeah. doing and work. Doing stuff. Yeah. Not just saying it, doing stuff. Yeah. So it looks like he's he's you know, in the offseason, he's back in his hometown. Like And like you said, Jamal, you know, the Patriots, they don't care about what kind of person you are off the football field as long as you can produce. I mean, they knew Hernandez was a gangbanger. They like they knew. I was just about to say They knew he might have been killing people and selling drugs off the field, but as long as he didn't get caught, they were okay with it and he ended up getting caught. So, um, so I think, like I said, that freedom has helped. Cam Newton, and I think that's one of the reasons why they re-signed him. A lot of people were shocked by that, and I think the Patriots are like, look, this kid is talented. You know, Cam's still young, um, and, you know, he did good things for us. So, you know, let's see how he does with a full offseason and complete freedom. And, and also in the video, pay attention to those things. Black excellence. Muhammad Ali, first, yeah. one of the first black men to ever say, I'm great. I'm great. Words matter. Words are important. Cam, I, I see what you're doing. I want to yeah, know what the production cost is for that episode because them cigars didn't look like the kind of there wasn't no cheap one. Yeah, I don't know. cigars from Harris Teeter. You got to <laughs> nah, but it looked like you got to sneak those on the plane, buddy. Uh uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but but in, in all seriousness, man, like you know, we us three are involved with doing a production and we know how much work goes into it. We know how hard it is to get support sometimes. All that good stuff, man. I think Cam Newton has such – it, it could turn out to be such an important vehicle in just promoting black excellence, uh, other black productions, depending on you know what type of uh, guests he books in the future, man. And I'm really interested to see where that show goes because I, I think the foundation for what he has now – it could be a pot of gold, man. It could really turn into something. And I'm interested in, in, in seeing, you know, no, uh, you know, Cam asked Steve Harvey what, what can he do to improve as a as a quote unquote host man. And I and I think Cam has the charisma to 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 be a, a, a really good host to, to his vehicle, man. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. All right, guys, sticking with Atlanta, man. <sighs> oh God. Do we have to? Yeah. Major <sighs> League Baseball decided to remove their all-star game. Good from Atlanta. Good uh, due to the uh, the new bill that was signed by their governor, 
uh, Mr. Kemp. Uh, so, guys, is, is this a good move? Or look, man, this automatically reminds me of House Bill Two, what we had, and basically the uh, how the Super Bowl kind of boycotted Arizona. So, what do you guys think about the actual kind of pulling out of the All Star Game? Are you are you for it? And do do you think it will automatically have a difference? I'm Georgia Bill. I'm all for it. This is how you protest an injustice, which which that law passing was. Um, back back uh, last season when the NBA players remember when they protest like in the middle of the game. Yep. And I felt like, okay, that in itself, the players don't have that kind of influence, but maybe the league does. So this is the league. Before, and, and the thing about Major League Baseball is they are they don't have the high percentage of black athletes that the NFL and the NBA has. So one, it's a surprising move. Um, uh, so for them to come out and say, "Look, oh no, 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 this is an injustice. This doesn't line up with the ideals of Major League Baseball. We're going to pull that." So now this puts pressure on uh, all of the, the the branches of government in the state of Georgia, because you've cost your state billions of dollars in economic revenue by baseball pulling the game. Billions that you're just never going to get back. Now, the lawmakers that pass this law are going to say, ah, we don't need that. But the fact of the matter is that you do need that. And eventually uh, that's going to come to show. You're going to, you're going to need that revenue for major league baseball and so then you're going to have you're going to have to do something you're going to have to reverse a bill like the state of north carolina did or uh find some kind of compromise i am for the the move the only bad thing is that atlanta being a predominantly black city a lot of black businesses are going to lose out on that revenue as well that's that's unfortunate question is 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 I want, it's an honest question. Are MLB All-Star patrons visiting black places? That's a fair question. I, who that's, knows? That's an honest I, question. I, I, there's no telling, man. I, I I think people who live there could probably answer that better than we could, man. Uh, my, my first guess is probably not. But at the same time, black or white, businesses are, are going to suffer, period. Period, yeah. And and, 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 and and what's troubling to me is that uh, – the Braves kind of were disappointed with, with the decision. Hey, let me take that one, Ronnie. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I'm not. We surprised. Go ahead, Jamal. <laughs> no, number one, I have to give the MLB some major props because oftentimes when when big corporate entities quote unquote take a stand, it's usually because of like financial reasons. It's not because of any like real gumption. This MLB is a real stand for this reason. Their, their base, their fan base is probably made up of people <laughs> who probably don't see what Governor Kemp is doing as a bad thing. Okay? Now, number two, the Atlanta Braves, I have lost every bit of respect for the Atlanta Braves. The press release that they came out with and the response to this issue was the most tone-deaf, gutless thing I have ever read in my entire life. Number one, you try to move the goalposts and, and, and look at the look at all the workers as victims and how could you do this to them? And you don't mention anything about the actual reason why the MLB has done this in the first place. Okay. That response was so tone-deaf, man. I I it literally just blew my mind that somebody could actually print this up and, and, and type it out. And not on top of that, they had the audacity to try to state that the All-Star game could have helped the conversation. <laughs> there is no conversation. There is no conversation. You must – what a damn joke, man. I, I'm mm. – Jamal, Jamal, I'm, I'm going to point out some more hypocrisy with the brains. Look. The Braves of the South team, look, they moved from the predominantly black city of Atlanta to the outskirts to Cobb County. Didn't even give the Cobb County voters 
a chance to vote on the uh, vote on the stadium. They just moved there because they wanted their clientele to feel more comfortable. Comfortable. Mm-hmm. They know who their clientele is, and they're kind of feeding into that base. Look, brains. I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's 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 BS at this point. Yeah, the state of Georgia would love it if the city of Atlanta could somehow like like supplant itself elsewhere. I mean, Atlanta or Georgia is Georgia. We forget that. You know, we associate Atlanta. There's Atlanta, and then there's Georgia. Georgia yeah, a lot like like it here is in North Carolina. You have yeah. Charlotte, you have Raleigh, and then you got everywhere else, um, which are completely different demographics and, and and political leanings. So it's you know it's the same thing in Georgia, um, and that that's part of the reason why the Braves moved is they wanted to get away from Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, yeah, but be close enough to where they can still call themselves Atlanta because if they were the Georgia Braves, then you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I think like like we're hearing seeing here in the comments, another major corporation is going to have to take a stand. Does Coca Cola? I don't know if Coca. I mean, Major League Baseball is big, but Coca Cola yeah. is I mean, worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. yeah. I don't even know if what they could do. Coca Cola just can't move its operations out of Atlanta. That's that's not even possible. It's not even feasible. But they could do something. Maybe they could make a statement. I don't know. It's going to be uh, th this battle is going to be, I think, bigger than the HB2 issue um, just because it's, I think it's getting more press because it's, yeah. Atlanta, it's not Charlotte. Uh, it's Major League Baseball. Um, and, and the HB2 issue was just stupid. Honestly, let's just be real. I, I, we talk about it. We talk about damn bathrooms over voting rights. You know what I'm saying? So right, Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, 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 and one thing, man, like this it just it just moves to disenfranchise people like people says oh you, you you just can't give people water and food in line i'm like there's a reason why there's a line in certain areas they are trying to disenfranchise the vote if you look at if you look at the population of north carolina south carolina georgia mississippi alabama all of them around 30 40% black and then there's no reason why it should be r every year if, if you if you had a fair enough vote, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, no, definitely. And and, and we all know this is a result of Georgia turning blue. Let let's oh, let's yeah. make sure we mention that before we we get off this subject, man. Same thing happened in North Carolina when North Carolina turned blue in 08. It was it was a revolt. It was, also, it was a I, I think the federal government should get involved as well. I personally, I, I think voting rights should be a federal issue. I don't think that. Uh, local or state legislators should be able to impose those kind of restrictions without going through the federal Supreme Court because voting is a right of every American citizen uh, in the United States. So I, I expect this actually, this battle to, I mean, there's already a legal battle. It's probably going to go to the Supreme Court and, um, and props to Major League Baseball for being at the forefront. Now, they could be like the NBA. I, I, in fact, I think they are. You know, the NBA says they're progressive and they do progressive things, but we all know their corporation, London Dollar, is what's look, important. Kai's a little bit, little, little bit of pushback on that, man. Just, I, I want you to think about the MLB's fan base versus the NBA's fan base. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm really That's why I give the MLB a little yeah. more props than the NBA. I am really surprised the MLB. May, you know, did, did what they, they did. Stand, yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised. Imagine, that would have been like NASCAR pulling the Coca Cola 600 out of Charlotte because of, <laughs> you know, I mean, be like, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Um, before we move on, before we move on, I got a quote from Barack Obama There's no better way for the American pastime to honor the great Hank Aaron who always led by example. Let's move Perfect. on. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, Roy Williams retired on April Fool's Day. It, it's <laughs> real, guys. I know. That got me. I was like, Roy Williams they retired. It's April Fool's. There wasn't a conference. There wasn't a press conference on April second. It really happened, you know. Really, yeah. And then, and then, it, it's just like I, I, it's, it's so weird. Like as we get older, we see all these legendary coaches start to retire. Uh, Roy Williams had a 77% win percentage for his whole career. Three national titles, nine Great. to the final four. 
and 11th all-time in wins, man. Like, where does UNC go next? I, I, like, what's like, where's where's the bar at this point? Man, I, I think, and and I'm not saying I hope this happens, man, but you know, everybody remembers that transition between Dean Smith and Roy Williams. There were some really dark years between <laughs> between those two. I, needless to say, you know what I'm saying. And with that being said, man, whoever this next coach is, whether it's Hubert Davis, whether it's uh, Jerry Stackhouse, whether it's whomever, man, the expectations are going to be probably unrealistic. Yeah. And they're going to be through the damn roof, dude. Um, I, I You can't think of too many programs. There, there's not too many college basketball programs that I can think of, at least, that you've had one legendary coach retire and then – a few years later, you have another one follow that up. It, there's not too many. Indiana suffered big time after Bobby Knight moved on or got fired or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just not going to be an easy time, man. Roy, the one, the one question I have for North Carolina fans, and this is some fans. I'm not saying all North Carolina fans. But it always puzzled me how a coach who had so much success has also has also been so criticized and so ridiculed. I have never understood that about North Carolina fans and their temperate relationship with Roy Williams. This dude has more success than ninety nine percent of college coaches, but yet there are some UNC fans who are like, you know what? Hey man, I'm not I'm not entirely sad he's gone. And I just don't understand that man. I, I just don't. Look man, it's 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 going to be pretty dark pretty soon. And they'll 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 learn to love Roy. Yeah, I don't think pe- people really. I don't think they remember the Bill Guthrie's days. Uh, I mean, he was so bad he just left. He's like, no, Matt, you talking Matt Doherty? Bill Guthrie's is okay. Matt Doherty, yeah, yeah, Matt Doherty, yeah. Matt Doherty, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's just that. <clears throat> excuse me. I know that uh, Roy Williams will always be associated with North Carolina for various reasons, but a lot of people forget like how good he was at Kansas. I mean. Really, they should have won in 2003, but Carmelo Anthony is a really good basketball player. (laughs) Um, You know, so, uh, you know, having, you know, I grew up watching Dean Smith, but I, I, you know, except for the one championship that they won in 92, like the memories I have of those North Carolina teams are kind of, kind of fuzzy, you know, except they should have won in 98. And Rasheed Wallace and Jerry Stackhouse and Antoine Jameson, and they did not. Um, so for me as a North Carolina fan, the Roy Williams era is the one that I will more closely associate with my fandom. They won three championships. And I, I can remember exactly what I was doing when they won that first championship. I was in a hotel room. I was PCSing from California to New Mexico. I had my wife and a new baby. We're all crammed in a little hotel room while we're waiting on base housing. And I'm watching uh, North Carolina play Illinois. And I know the people in the room next to me probably thought that a wild man, wild black person, because <laughs> I'm jumping up and down screaming. Um, you know, and that team was loaded, man. Yeah, great, yeah. yeah, great team that year. So, um, so, so to do that, to to win two more championships and kind of restore North Carolina to the prestige that it's always had as a top basketball program um, is, uh, you know, he'll always be remembered for that. I also think. This is another topic that we will probably talk about on a later show. But I think that his retirement is very timely because I think the NCAA is about to see some dark days, at least from the basketball standpoint. I agree. As we see a lot of players, one, looking more to uh, historically black college universities, and we're going to start seeing players. I'm telling you, the mellow ball effect is real. People are going to look at him and say, whoa, hold up. He he skipped college because he could have gone to UCLA. Full ride. We skipped college, played overseas, made a lot of money over there, and now look at how well his he's translated into the NBA. If you're a young player, what could a coach, especially a new coach at UNC, what could they possibly offer you? What could they possibly offer you that playing in a pro league couldn't? Uh, I, Roy Williams not dumb. He sees the writing on the wall. He knows how hard it is to recruit nowadays. Let me cut you off real quick because that's a perfect segue to what I was thinking. I don't think he gets enough props for adjusting to the one yeah. and done era. Yeah. Like, like, like UNC stopped getting, you know, maybe five star recruits. 
but they got a bunch of three and fours and still had a lot of success, man. You know, maybe he didn't go the Duke route and get all the one and done guys, but what, but what he had to work with, man, he had a lot of success with what he had to work with. Yeah. De- yeah, definitely. I, um, so, so props to him. I, I think it's dope that North Carolina was able to, to get a guy like Roy Williams after the great Dean Smith left. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what's in store for the Tar Heels. It's over for them heels. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Clemson going to do anything in basketball. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, I just want to say Coach K is probably right behind them. So, yep. yeah. 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 I'm, I'm surprised Krzyzewski hasn't already retired. I um, mean, you, 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 you remember the last time they had a losing season in the 90s? He set out for a year. Okay. So, uh, yeah. soon, soon come. Soon come. Oh, man. I, I, I love the ACC hate. Um <laughs> So, man, look, man, we got some sad news yesterday, man. Darkman XDMX had a heart attack and is on life support currently, man. It's, it's, just, it's just so sad seeing the rap our rappers kind of starting to die. Like, like late 40s, early 50s, still relatively young to me. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, Absolutely. So, so how do you guys feel? Like, like, what are your feelings about it, man? I made a Facebook post. It was like a vague post a couple weeks ago. And I said, there's too many dead rappers because no one had died. I just, but it was just like, I just thought, damn, there's so many. I mean, hip hop, as far as musical genres, is still in its relative infancy. Really, hip hop's only maybe 40, 50 years, 50 at the most, if you take it, you know, all the way back to the, the jams in the park. Um, you know, our guys are. Even the old heads are still like younger than my parents. Yeah, and these guys are are dying, and I I think that's indicative of if you look where hip hop came from. Yeah, urban culture, the streets. Look where a guy like DMX came from. Those demons never really leave. They they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. And in fact, I think that as your star in hip hop, as your star rises, those demons get closer. You now have better access to. Things like, right, drugs, people who don't have your best interests in mind. And I thought that for a while that X had maybe not exercised those demons, but he had he survived. Right. He had survived. Yeah. Like a guy like Mike Tyson, he survived that. And now he's in a better place. And I thought that was the case for DMX. Now, we won't know what caused the heart attack until we know. But, you know, they're saying it's a drug overdose. And if that's the case, that that's really unfortunate to have a guy like like X, you know, who battled these demons. You know, he wasn't perfect. You know, he was human like the rest of us, and it's kind of sad because he gave a lot to hip hop. I, I I'll never forget when "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot" came out. I just graduated high school and I was working uh, for uh, Wachovia. If y'all Charlatans remember Wachovia? Wachovia. Working <laughs> at the Wachovia building on Tryon Street, and I had a crappy job where uh, this was back before your your bank information was kept digitally. They actually used to keep it in folders in a vault. Folders. My job, I worked in a vault, and I would just take a, one folder out and put it in another place. One folder out, put it in another place. That was my job for eight hours a day. So you know what I did? I listened to It's Dark and Hell is Hot on repeat eight hours a day. I had that job for about, probably about six months before I said, screw this, and I went through the military. But... That album got me through some some tough tough times. So um, I, I hope he doesn't have to suffer uh, much longer. Yeah, um, I talked to a friend yesterday, and he made a statement that I couldn't have said any better. Man, DMX is the hip hop version of Kurt Cobain, and mm. he is he is a person who has you know shared his life with with the, with the public and, and his fans um i don't know if anybody listening or who or, or who's watching right now if you have never had the pleasure and i do mean the pleasure of seeing dmx live seeing him in concert i i feel sorry for you because there's not dmx is the best hip-hop performer i have ever seen and dmx was the type of dude it wasn't going to be a bunch of fireworks. It wasn't going to be a bunch of pyrotechnics. He didn't have 75 views on stage. DMX had him and the DJ. That's all DMX needed to give you the best show you will ever see. 
I'm saying this because it reflected his personality and it reflected his music. It was authentic and it was raw. DMX was raw and authentic. Every encounter that you, every time you encountered DMX, he was who he was 100% of the time. Everyone has probably seen clips of DMX being on stage, maybe being emotional, maybe playing with the crowd. Like, that's who he was. That wasn't an act. That was DMX exercising his demons and sharing them with us on stage. You get what I'm saying? Much like Kurt Cobain did through his music. All that pain and all those demons that they dealt with, that they dealt with, you know, they, they put them on front street for all of us to see, man. And beside that, man, just, you know, just the music itself, man. I mean, the music itself was something that hip hop desperately needed when he came out. Uh, the the hip hop needed that raw dude from the streets. He came out in an era where Puffy was shiny suits and hip hop was getting blingy and sophisticated. And I'm not hating on it. I'm not saying it was bad. I don't want to get to that stupid discussion today. But DMX was a change from that man. And he, when he came out, he balanced hip hop out. You get what yeah. I'm saying? So I, I just the news that I, when I when I read that news yesterday, man, my heart just kind of sunk, man. I'm just like. Why did the good ones go early, man? You know what I mean. So yeah, just, yeah. man, it's like 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 Kaiser. I uh, I bought as dark as hell is hot. It's dark as hell is hot. Off. I was I'm younger than y'all, so I was like 14, 13. They asked you for your ID when you bought it. They was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I went through loops. I did the uh, thirteen CDs for a dollar. Thing with me. Hey, hey Kaiser. <laughs> Because if you, if you went to Willie's Records, they didn't ask for ID. No. <laughs> nah, nah, man. And so, man, like I, I I I got into the guy, man. Like literally, that was like one of my one of my dudes. Like I love DMX. And then uh, when the Bad Boy tour, when, when Diddy had the Bad Boy tour that came through Charlotte, DMX was, was like a special like appearance yes. pop up. Man, I, he came out there and perform. I was jumping. It was just like. The energy that he yeah. came with was just—he was old at this point. This is like 2016, and mm -hmm. like everybody was just screaming word for word, and like his impact on hip hop, man, is just crazy. I think people relate to him because we all know somebody that goes that that, that goes through or kind of went through an issue like that. I did then, to be specific. To be specific, and then yeah. like we 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 see him battling these demons, and we see him trying. And we always root for him, man. And and like it was so refreshing to see DMX uh in the verses back in July with was with, with, with Snoop. Oh yeah, yeah. He was so happy and healthy and was dancing. And I'm like, he, he, man, he, I'm he, like was a, he, he was a little chunky, he gained some weight. I'll take chunky healthy X over anything, yeah, man. No doubt. And man, it, it, it was it was just like it was just so awesome just kind of seeing him happy and, and, and bigging up Snoop and 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 it's it's just sad when when I saw it yesterday, man. I I just I think oh, man. he doesn't he's not get any enough credit for just being kind of a media icon. We forget he was an yeah. actor too. You know he did yeah, yeah no doubt. he did two movies with my favorite action star Jet Li. Uh, X gonna give it to you. It was the anthem for the Deadpool movies a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Everybody from every age group of of hip hop knows who DMX is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not just because of his music, just because, uh, you know, he he made movies, he did all kinds of stuff. Uh, it always saddened me when he would appear in the news on some yeah. bad stuff, like, you know, drug-related stuff or, or, or crimes. Some crazy stuff. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, it's it's I, I it, it's sad. He's not going to get his flowers. He's going to get his flowers after his death, you know, like, like we do with every rapper, but uh, it was one of those places where he deserved more of them when he was alive. Absolutely. And but but Kaza, like when he came out at a very competitive time for hip hop, man. man. Like, you think you about I mean? he, he came out, the thing about you had Big Pun, you had Eminem, you had cannabis, Woo was on their that was their peak. Right? Woo, Woo was like yeah. Jay-Z and you had you had outcast with a Quimini. Yeah, you had hard knock life. Uh, hard knock life tour, you had cash money starting to bubble up. 
Like yep. it was it was very competitive everywhere, man. Yeah, 1998 was a, a crazy, crazy year for hip hop and DMX stood out in you know in, in a crowd. Uh in his his verse on Money Cash Hoes. I remember that, that was the first time I heard DMX actually was on Jay Z's Money Cash Hoes. DMX my dog. I was like, yo, what the, who is this? I was ready to go to the start fighting people. Um so you know I just, I, I mean, DMX always have a place in my heart as a hip hop fan. I've been bumping "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot" all weekend. I'm gonna continue to do so, and uh, yeah, we're gonna miss you, X. One, one, one more, one more thing about X before we get out of here, man. I think the one picture slash clip that kind of personifies DMX. We we've all seen that clip where he was at Woodstock, and there's oh, like man, man. people in the crowd, Cheer people. And, and and it seems like every last one of them was jumping up and down, moving with with, with his. Everybody with his knew every the words. Single person, right, yeah. right, crazy. Right. That, that personifies the DMX performance right there. Guys, man, we're, we're going to head into some shout outs. You got any shout outs to shout outs? Uh, I'm going to start with I, this. Is what I think our universal shout at. I think all of us agrees with this shout at. Uh, I'm just going to quote Jamel Hill. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> Brian Kemp ain't worth the shit. Direct quote from Jamel Hill. And I'll end it there. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll straight straight uh, I'll a quick, I guess this is a shout out. Some, some weird, something weird I found out lately uh, in an interview with Teddy Riley. I yeah. Guess, guy in New Edition had beef. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that, some, man. some people got killed over it. And then Teddy yeah. Riley was like, oh, well, there was nothing we could have done about that. What? What? Where did this come from? <laughs> what is this, bad boy? Uh, uh, bad boy, Jeff Rome stuff and r &B? Yeah. They were on tour together fighting. And I guess they did multiple shows where there were there were fights backstage, not, not necessarily directly between Guy and New Edition, which is what Teddy Riley was saying, but between their entourages. Uh, but I guess it spilled over to the streets and someone was shot and killed. And uh, that's it's just kind of it's kind of crazy how particularly with black music, gangsters, man, man. there's always some 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 goon on the side. Yeah, yeah I, I, always some goons funding it or, or or goons with you. Yeah, I I really hate that about our music, but at the same time, it's a double edged sword because that's, especially you know, with R and B music, man. Yeah, well, okay, hip hop, no, I, I, I can see, but Key Sweat to beat you up. <laughs> what I heard. Yeah, all of those guys came from the same backgrounds as our favorite rappers. Yep. New edition. They they from the hood. Yeah, from the hood. I mean, Bobby Brown. Yeah. He's yeah. a hood cat. You know. Yeah. yeah. They just have to make so, uh, so that's just a, a weird, uh, a weird thing. Quick shout out. We do this every week. Our fans in the chat. I get so excited when I see the names start to come down. Uh, yeah, no doubt, you know, normally when we start the show, it's like one or two. I'm like, man, where's everybody at? But it's kind of dope, especially since we all know each other from the sports groups on Facebook. Um, I, I love watching the inter the interaction. It's just it's it's absolutely great. I love it. it look, it, even even if we disagree with y'all and pick on y'all in the in the Hornets group, man, we still love y'all, man. We we, sure, we, yeah. we are especially glad that y'all are here checking us out. We I can't put into words how much we appreciate it. Straight up, man. Let me tell you something. If, if I don't like you, I will tell you. Uh, <laughs> you've seen it. Uh, so, so, uh, man, look, I got a shot at Kim Moki, the one of the uh women's coaches. Yeah, yeah, look, just just research that, people, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I want to shout, I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Paul Pierce, man. <laughs> Living his best life, his best life. man. I'm pretty sure Paul Pierce forgot to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Paul Pierce thought he was going on Facetime instead <laughs> click the Instagram live button. But man, Paul Pierce, man, look, live your best life, man. Because look, you might not get a check after this week, brother. <laughs> hey, man, so, so, so I hope somebody saved their money, boy, man. <laughs> oh, and then finally, man, look, we got the verses tonight. The, the elements versus uh, the Ozzy brothers. So. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm 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 tuning to that man, and I'm 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 I look. I don't care who wins. I'm just rooting for a good time. Hey, yeah. who coached Paul Pierce in college? Roy, Roy, Roy Williams. That's right. Hey, I hey, know. Hey, before we go, man. Um, 
Are you Earth? Are you more of an Earth, Wind, and Fire fan or Ozzy Brothers fan? Woo! Element. I'm, I am probably more of a EWF fan. Uh, although I think Harvest of the World mm. is an underrated album. It's um, an amazing album. Yeah, dude. just an amazing album, especially the, the title song. You know, they released a single and an instrumental. Uh, the Ozzy Brothers were at their peak at that point. I think if, but if I'm, if you're talking about greater acts, career arc, I'd have to give it to the Isley yeah. brothers. They were able to extend themselves. Yeah, their longevity is crazy, man. Man, damn near into you know, damn near until my kids are born. It's like Isley brothers got another. I don't got that. Think about this. Think about this, man. Like Shout came out in the fifties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. In, in, in yeah. like the late fifties, and like Ron Isley's sitting there crooning with Art. With, Arc, yeah, <laughs> with, with that guy. yeah. That's with what I'm that talking guy. about. I mean, I mean, they're the long. <laughs> I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop there, guys. Thank you so much for watching <laughs> Under Construction. You guys have a wonderful afternoon and happy Easter. Appreciate. It. Peace, y'all. Shout out to my Islander who's watching. Peace out, y'all. Peace.